Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I don't know about you guys, but I am exhausted. <laughs> I don't know if you knew. <laughs> and apparently dying. Um, you guys know that's the direction I was going to go with that one? Trying to throw you guys a little curveball here on this lovely Friday. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. A sports ethos presentation. The trade deadline is in the rearview mirror. We made it. We made it. Slight technical difficulties, but we made it. And a, a lot of our hard work paid off nicely. Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you guys agree? How long ago? What, what was it? Two-ish weeks ago? We said, it's time. Get on Mark Williams right now. And then at the beginning of this week, what did I say about Utah? I said, hover your mouse over Colin Sexton's name. He's a guy that could jump into a lot. And darn it if they weren't the two best pickups out of yesterday. Although Sexton, I guess, was Wednesday. Now, there were a few that didn't pan out. It doesn't look like Tari Eason's panning out. Um, I am, for whatever it's worth, still going to hold for a little bit, see what they do post-All-Star break here. Um, But, you know, I get it if you don't. But look, here's the thing. I've got a laundry list of names. The names, it's it's an absurd length. So we got to just get rolling on this thing. Let's tackle a damn podcast. Welcome to the show once again, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here. Whether you're viewing the show live or after the fact, this is, of course, Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Vespers. I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter, and I am at Dan Vespers in real life as well. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Weekend review show. Let's just dive right on in. I know this is it's what you guys came for, right? So let's go straight to the ads. We'll begin there. Our friends on uh, YouTube have this delightful little graphic on their screen so they can see the names that I'm going to talk about. As I talk about them, everybody else, you're just going to have to keep them in your head. They are not in any particular order. It is the order that I looked at all the team's names as I was scrolling backwards through the week. Ad number one, Bruce Brown, who... Oh, I should preface this, by the way. I included some of the streamery ads in uh, the overall discussion because I, I wanted to get them lumped in there as kind of slightly more relevant, but I'll, I will make sure to notate that as I speak to you guys about them. Bruce Brown, he's more of a stream, but we did hear that Jamal Murray is out through the All-Star break, so that gives Brown at least, what do they have, three games between now and the break? Might be more than that. Gives Brown at least three games, uh, possibly more, based on how uh, little I'm paying attention to the Nuggets' exact schedule early here on this Friday morning. Uh, But we know what he does when someone's out. We just happen to know that someone's out for Denver for more than one day. Onyika Okongwu, he has carved himself out a really nice role as obviously the backup center behind Clint Capella, but he's actually hitting value now. Even as a backup, he's hitting value. Earlier this year, it wasn't turning out that way, but over the last month, he's playing, well, there was a a few games in there where Capella was still out, but Okongwu is actually inside the top 50 over that stretch in 25 minutes per ball game. And if you want to go to kind of a, sh- a shorter streak on this thing and say, okay, well, how long? What about since Capella's been back? 
Okongwu's top 65 in 20 minutes per game. 10 points, almost 8 rebounds, half a steal, almost 1.5 blocks, 71% from the field, 83 at the free throw line. He's been terrific. He's, you know, a number two center on your fantasy team, and he doesn't even need to start to get there right now. Sweet. So he's a rest-of-season ad. Daniel Gafford is the next name on the list. I think he's also a rest-of-season ad. If you want to look at the same kind of stretch of last two weeks, Gafford's number 38. Take that, Okongwu. Now, there is this, there is the Kyle Kuzma injury looming over Daniel Gafford right now. I don't know if he continues to get 28 to 30 minutes when Kuzma comes back. Presumably, the Wizards will slide Porzingis back up to center from time to time. It'll be KP and Kuz out there as the front court, and Gafford will probably lose a couple of minutes. But as it stands right now, that's top 40 for Gafford in 28 minutes per ball game. We've said it before, we only need 25 out of him to reliably get inside the top 100. He's blocking a ton of shots right now. That's That quantity is probably not going to hold. He's at 2.6 blocks over his last two weeks. Uh, but Gafford in 25 minutes or more is a rest-of-season play. Mark freaking Williams, the ad of the millennium. No, I mean, here's the thing. You know, let's just play the same game with Mark Williams that we've been playing with these other guys. Mark Williams is number... What's he over the last two weeks? 142. But that's in 14 and a half minutes per game. His fantasy profile is almost the exact same as what we just talked about for Daniel Gafford. But I would argue probably a better opportunity at rebounds simply because of the team he's on. With Gafford, he's going to be fighting with Porzingis for rebounds. He's going to be fighting with Kuzma for rebounds. He's going to be fighting with Denny Avdia for rebounds when that team is fully healthy. When the Hornets are healthy, Mark Williams is going to be, I mean, I'm going to put the word fighting in very thick quotation marks, P.J. Washington. LaMelo Ball? Question mark? I'm Ron Burgundy? He's not really fighting with anybody. Mark Williams, I mean, we've seen it. Like, the numbers are crazy. In 14 and a half minutes per game, he's already at five rebounds. So if you wanted me to scroll all the way back up to where I found Daniel Gafford on this board, uh, he was at eight rebounds in 27 minutes. If Mark Williams happens to get to 27 minutes, he's probably looking at 10 or more. Because that team is freaking magic. They play like 200 possessions per ball game. We've also seen that Williams is good at both steals and blocks. And honestly, it does remind me a little bit of Okongwu in that he's not an awful foul shooter. He's not going to be as good as Okongwu is. He'll probably be more in the Gafford range. But all of these guys can shoot close to 70%. Okongwu at seven and some odd rebounds in 20 minutes per ballgame here. That's almost exactly what Williams would be doing. Mark Williams will be a walking double-double with possibly a steal and possibly one and a half to two blocks per game. Even with Nick Richards likely picking up close to half the minutes. I think this is probably going to be like a 26-22 split. If I had to guess, you'll see uh, Williams probably play like but somewhere between six and seven minutes in each quarter. And so then you get, you know, somewhere between five and six for uh, Nick Richards. 
And that grades out basically to 26-22 split. 26 minutes for Mark Williams is way more than enough. If he's at 14 now and he's going for 6-5 and five with, what did I just say, defensive stats? 0.7 steals and 1.5 blocks. I mean, you're not going to just double that. That's not how it works. Guys plateau, and if he's playing against starters, the, the stats won't be quite as easy to come by. But again, you know, we're talking about a guy that could legitimately get three combined defensive stats in 26 or more minutes per ball game. A guy that could get you 12 and 10 with a steal and almost two blocks. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility. It's not a guarantee, but fantasy value pretty much is. Arguably the biggest winner of the trade deadline and a guy that we've been squatting, sitting on for a couple of weeks. It's one of the rare occasions, actually, where a trade deadline stash does pan out. That doesn't always work. Did this year. In a big way. Denny Avdia is the next name on the ads list. I'm still not convinced that that one sticks once Kuzma's back, but, you know, roll for now. So, you know, it's a possible stream with upside on Avdia. Killian Hayes is the next name on the list of the ads. He's been slotted back into the starting lineup for the Pistons, as we figured he would. I thought it would be right after the All-Star or the trade deadline. It happened right before the trade deadline, and Alec Burks can go back to doing not much. Killian Hayes, by the way, let's all understand here, the upside is not that great. Upside is top 100. Likelihood is more like 125. Matisse Theibel, not to be dealt with in points leagues. He does not score. He does not rebound. He does not pass. He does not shoot threes. He does not shoot free throws, which, of course, means he does not turn the ball over. But what he does do, he does very well, and that's get a crap ton of defensive stats. And he's now in Portland on a team that needs a guy to play a ton of defense. Here's my fear with, with Thibault. Uh, if there's a game where the Blazers, say, are not getting great offense out of Dame, or maybe Anthony Simons is having an off night or something like that, do they then go to Cam Reddish at that small forward spot? I think it's much more likely that Thibault's the guy. This was the one they wanted at the deadline, this was the guy they tried to go get. The Cam Reddish trade came with a first-rounder. The Knicks sent a first for Josh Hart and Cam Reddish, so it felt a little bit more like a salary dump. I think he'll get an opportunity, Cam will, to do a little bit with uh, the Blazers, but it's not he's not the guy that they were targeting in trades, which is so funny. We heard all those rumors like, oh, the Lakers are interested in Cam Reddish, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, Cam Reddish's agent. We hear you loud and clear. Got to get a trade market. He's a gunner. And he's an only an okay one. So teams were not about to overspend on Reddish. And this is where he goes. But Thibault, uh Blazers wanted him. They gave up some stuff. Not a ton, but some. I put Derek White in the ads board, mostly because this is a weekend review podcast, but he should have long since been added. He should have been added back since Marcus Smart got hurt. But now that Jalen Brown went down... That's just more for everybody else. Jalen Brown out through the All-Star break with a facial fracture. Uh, I'm not big into the Sam Hauser thing. I didn't even put him on the watch list here. Hauser should probably have been on the watch list. You know what? I'll do it. Everybody on watching live can see me type it as I say it to you guys on the podcast. There you go. Sam Hauser's on the watch list now. Uh, but Derek White has just been smoking people on you know, ads department here, and you could just ride him until the Celtics get healthy, and there were stretches where he had value even when they were healthy. 
Zach Collins, probably the third most interesting trade deadline pickup. I'm still not convinced that he gets more than about 26 minutes per ball game, but unlike Mark Williams, 26 minutes for Collins would not be enough. We've seen it time and time and time again. Zach Collins simply doesn't have the fantasy profile to support rostership when he doesn't have full starters minutes. You guys can yell at me all you want. Somebody tweeted at me, oh, he had a game where he had like, you know, 19 and 11 and only 21 minutes. Uh-huh. And uh, how many times precisely did he do that? One time? Okay. If you guys want to argue with me about small sample size theater, uh, we got all day, man. We got all day. But here's the thing. We've seen Zach Collins. We know he's not a robust fantasy player. However... If the Spurs do then suddenly now give him full starters minutes, which I still don't think is de- is a guarantee. They've got Isaiah Roby. They've got Bassey down in the G League. There's other things they might do, especially while they're tanking. If they give him full starters, if he somehow averages 30 minutes a game the rest of the way, he probably gets to top 90. In which case, he would be an ad. I think there's about a 20% chance that Collins hits that marker. I think there's more like a 50% chance maybe even a little higher than that, that he does get to like the 125 range the rest of the year. Uh, But that to me puts him more in a streamer zone just because of stat set stuff. KJ Martin, he's a little bit more points league friendly uh, than like traditional Roto. And the last few weeks are a pretty good example of that. Um, He's number 85 over the last two weeks uh, while averaging 14 and eight with half a steal, half a block, and 63% shooting, which is a number we know isn't going to hold. He'll be in the probably the 50s. Um, I don't think he's going to score this much when Kevin Porter Jr. is back. They did get rid of Eric Gordon, so Martin is probably the starter the rest of the way, and if you need the kind of more volume stuff he does, then it makes sense, but I, Roto doesn't steal a block very much. Some points, some rebounds, decent field goal percent, bad free throw... Just a few too many holes on the nine-cat side. Colin Sexton, mega ad, mega. I don't think you guys need an explanation on this one, but I'll give you one anyway. The Jazz traded away Mike Conley. The Jazz traded away Malik Beasley. The Jazz traded away Nikhil Alexander-Walker. The Jazz brought on a point guard that they are subsequently waving, most likely, in Russell Westbrook. Three guards out. If you want to call Beasley a wing, I'm fine with that, but I'm calling him a shooting guard. Three guards out, zero guards in for the Jazz. Colin Sexton, hello, this is your team, kind of, now. Now, Larry Markinen, Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, those guys are going to be taking every shot for the foreseeable future. And at that volume, you kind of have no choice. And I threw Herb Jones, actually, on the ads board. He may be a Zion streamer, but he finally looks, frankly, healthy to me which you know I hadn't really seen before. He's sitting just outside the top 100 over the last two weeks on 2.9 combined defensive stats. That's probably about what you can expect. Uh, specialisty is a lot like Matisse Thibel, actually, in that regard. Probably scores a little bit better than Matisse, um, but also turns the ball over a little bit more, and so there's you know this little trade-off there. You've got a couple of choices, basically, if you're just full hunting uh, steals and drops. Or steals and blocks, excuse me. I said steals and drops because I'm looking at the next set of our columns here. 
Drops is the next on the board. Royce O'Neal is a drop. I think there are too many wings in Brooklyn, and his fantasy game required that he basically play 34 minutes of all game, which is not guaranteed. I watched Ben Simmons play yesterday. He looked awful. I put him in my drops board because he looked awful. If you are punting points or free throw percent, you can still stick with it, although, you know, we saw it in yesterday's ballgame. Now that the, the Nets have all these wings and have depth, they might not play Ben Simmons. I kind of thought they would have to if KD was still there and they had these, they brought in Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. I think they probably would have needed Simmons. Now I don't know that they do. They've, they can go a different way, really. They can lean into their depth. Simmons only played, what, 20 minutes in yesterday's ballgame, and Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson weren't even there yet? Sorry, they were there, but they weren't uh, suited up. So Simmons, to me, might be a drop. Jalen McDaniels is a drop in Philadelphia. He'll have a nice little you know, role-player role off the bench, and he'll have fun because he's on a winning team now, but he's not going to get anywhere near what we were hoping he was going to get, uh, provided the Hornets trade someone besides Plumlee, but they didn't leave it to the Hornets. One of the worst trade deadlines, I thought. Charlotte got squat, a second rounder, one second rounder. Everybody gets five, and Charlotte got one. Sadiq Bey is a drop. He's in Atlanta now, and he's buried behind DeAndre Hunter and John Collins. Anyway, he ain't going to get the shots he was getting in Detroit. Josh Richardson is a drop. Uh, Maybe he gets some streamer value here and there, but he was starting and kind of running the Spurs tank. He's not going to do that in New Orleans. Richardson drop. Eric Gordon, I don't know if you had him on your team. He probably didn't, but he's a drop if you did because he's in Clippertown now, and he too is buried behind copious Clipper depth. Not to be confused with Clipper Daryl. Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark are on my drops board because they've slid into a timeshare. Now, if Clark suddenly starts getting 24-ish minutes per ball game consistently, I would put him back on the ads board, but it just, it seems like Tillman's getting high 20s, Clark is getting around 20, and that's like just the point at which neither one of them does quite enough to be fantasy relevant. All right, we got to pick up the speed a little bit here because I still got to do the weekend preview at the end. Holds. I feel like I need to do a a lightning round explanation on each of these guys. Hold number one, Cam Thomas. He's not going to do as much as he did when he was getting 40 in every ballgame, but we should at least see this thing through. Cam Johnson. I really do want to know what the Nets plan is for him. They got two solid NBA players back from Phoenix in that Kevin Durant played in addition to all uh, the first round picks. Cam Johnson uh, is, in my estimation, just kind of too good to be fully buried on that club, but it's also not a guarantee that he gets the 30 starters minutes he was going to get in Phoenix. Uh, So there's a possibility that he falls off, but I think we got to give it at least a week, probably two, which now with the All-Star break actually kind of means three, just to see what are they going to do. You know, Cam Thomas, Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikael Bridges, Nick Claxton. Those four guys are seemingly guaranteed pretty close to starters minutes, which, you know, what do you call that? 30? Call it 30 apiece? 32 apiece if you want to get wacky? That's 160 minutes out of uh, 240. Is that right? 48 times 5? But that still leaves 80 minutes. So where those go, you've got Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, you've got Cam Johnson, you've got other guys floating around, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, I don't know how much those guys are going to do going forward, Ben Simmons. Question is, 
can Cam Johnson carve out like 26 to 30 of those remaining 80 minutes? And the answer is I don't know. Call it a coin flip, but that's enough for me to hang on. Mikael Bridges is a hold. I don't even know why I put him on this board, but someone was like, what should I do? Should I be worried? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's really, really good. Uh, to me, he's a guy who's going to see playing time. Um, the fear is that perhaps his efficiency takes a hit because he's not playing next to superstars anymore. And we saw that midseason here when Booker and, and Chris Paul were both out for the Suns, and it wasn't great, honestly, but you know his teammates in Brooklyn now are better than the teammates he had in Phoenix when the Stars were out. It's a deeper team. Jalen Duran is a hold. We heard that the Pistons may want to start James Wiseman. I'll believe that long-term when I see it. Wiseman's shown himself to be quite bad at basketball in Golden State. He can score a little bit, but his defense is disgusting. Would they really derail the progress of their prized first-round pick to kick the tires on Wiseman? We've seen what happened to Marvin Bagley. Whatever. Anyway, hold Duran. Hold DeAnthony Melton. I know they brought in McDaniels. I don't think those guys are going to have a ton of overlap. And Melton's been able to hold his spot. He's been one of their better players, typically. Hold Precious Achua. I think he may fade here with Jakob Pertl coming in and no one really going out for the Raptors. So once OG Ananobi's back, presumably, uh, you know, that might end up hurting Gary Trent, too, by the way. Because Achua may be going to the bench right now to clear a room out for Pirtle, and then when OG comes back, does he push Trent? Maybe. Gary Trent's played a lot better since they moved him back into the starting lineup, but I guess we'll see. Anyway, hold Achua for now. I do think he probably ends up being a drop in the next few weeks, but I don't think I would pre-drop. Hold Tari Eason. Um, he didn't get the guys out of his way that we were hoping for. Gordon get traded, but we were hoping that a, a forward would get moved for the Rockets, and they didn't. In addition, well, depends what you call Garrison Matthews, I guess. Either way, they brought back a holiday. It was Justin. Uh, so Eason's minutes may not change, and if that's the case, then it will just be slightly too low for this year the rest of the way. Hold Kyle Anderson. He's been hurt, but Minnesota kind of goes as he goes, so as soon as he's ready to play, they'll get him back in there. Hold Kelly Olynyk. Uh, I got some people asking me if they should add him, and I said, dude, you guys should have added him a week ago. He was top 80 as a full-time starter this year. The only times he's fallen off is when he's been playing hurt or when he's been on a minutes cap or in foul trouble. And Utah got thinner at the trade deadline. Terrific. Jared Vanderbilt's gone. That was competition in the front court. They really didn't bring in anybody that can challenge Olinick. The only thing that will challenge Olinick is whether or not the team wants to try to lose ball games. And frankly, it kind of seems like it's too late. Norman Powell's a hold. He's kind of become the Clippers' best closer, weirdly enough. Watching some of those Clippers games, seeing Paul George and Kawhi kind of, you know, look, those two guys are still very good at basketball, but they've definitely gotten slower over the last two years. And Powell hasn't. Dante DiVincenzo's a hold for me for now. The Warriors are bringing in wings, and so I feel like he's probably going to taper off, but give it a couple games. Drew Eubanks is a hold. He has not looked all that great as the starting center in Portland, but, you know, you're getting that back-end center stuff, so he's a stream hold for now. Josh Hart is a hold. Uh, he's going to be such a Tibbs guy. If he's particularly horrible on a given night, you might see them get Grimes back in there a bit more, but the Knicks are trying to win. They want the veteran. He and 
Uh, Jalen Brunson go way back to college. Hart's going to play. I'll also hold Emmanuel quickly, although that one might end up becoming a drop. And hold Trey Murphy out in uh, New Orleans town. Not that anybody really needed to be told that one, but I'm doing it anyway. And here's my watch list with freshly added Sam Hauser at the bottom. Jared Vanderbilt is on my watch list. I don't think he's going to get enough playing time every night in L.A. I think there'll be games where they realize they need the rebounding more. They'll get him in there. There'll be games where they want scoring more. You'll see more Rui Hachimura in those ball games. There'll be ones where they can go smaller and spread the floor. You'll see more Malik Beasley and Lonnie Walker in those. The Lakers have optionality. Stupid word. But they have it, and unfortunately that means that consistent fantasy production for some of the guys involved in all of those combinations and permutations is not going to be all that great. James Wiseman is on my watch list. If Detroit actually starts him, I might pick him up in some head-to-head spots where you may be punting something like a free throw percent. I don't trust him in Roto as far as I can flick a pebble. Gabe Vincent is on the watch list. He's looked good. He's looked better than Kyle Lowry, who's looked old and dinged up lately. They've now shut Lowry down for a little bit, which they probably should have done before. Uh, They played Kyle way too much at the beginning of the year, and uh, now his knees are on ice, basically. But Vincent, ah, it's tough. I don't know that he's going to get enough usage night to night. If we find out that Jimmy Butler or Tyler Hero is going to sit out a ball game, that's where I make my move on Vincent. Jalen Noel is watch list fodder. I think once Minnesota gets uh, Mike Conley in, I don't think that Noel will have the room to operate, but I guess you never know, so just keep an eye on him. Same story for Josh Green, who's looked quite good over the last, what is it, three, four ball games with no Luka, uh, but Luka's expected to be back, I believe. I think he's got upgraded to questionable for Dallas's next ball game. We may get our first Luka and Kyrie extravaganza. And there just ain't going to be anything else for anyone to do on that team. Even Christian Wood, I think, is going to find it hard at times to collect usage. But I do think he'll get enough use. Uh, Wood, but, uh, that is, not so much Josh Green. Shaden Sharp in Portland has got to keep an eye on in case he passes up Reddish and Thibel at that small forward spot. I don't expect it. But again, anything is possible. Cam Reddish is on the watch list as well. Larry Nance Jr. is on the watch list. It feels like he and Valanchunas are locked in a timeshare, and that means not enough for anybody. Jalen Williams, which I uh, imagine you guys all heard me pronounce it differently just to put an accent. Uh, I'm going to start referring to the two Williamses. There are three, actually, in Oklahoma City, but the third one is Kenrich. Uh, the two Jalen Williamses I will refer to as Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams. You will hear it in how I pronounce it, even if that's not what they want. But I don't feel like spelling a player's name every time I talk about them on the podcast. In any event, this is Jay Lynn Williams I'm talking about. Could he step into center minutes? Mike Muscala got traded. He's been starting as the de facto power forward. Kenrich Williams has been kind of starting at center, but, you know, anything that clears things out. They brought in Dario Saric. He's not on my watch list, Uh more so, he the wonder with Saric, or Saric, is does he then just step exactly into Muscala's minutes? And if so, then you know you can push some of these guys back off your watch list. Well, we did that part in 26-ish minutes or so, something like that. Let's jump straight ahead into a weekend preview. 
Everybody that's watching this on YouTube is going to watch me close the screen that was showing you all the names I was talking about. And now instead, we will tell you, oh my good lord, there's a lot of games tonight. I didn't even realize that until I looked at it. This is, you know, one thing at a time for your pal Danny boy here. Uh, This is your weekend look-ahead portion of the proceedings. Phoenix! Ooh, do we get Kevin Durant tonight? Oh my goodness, if we do, that's really exciting. I hope we do. I hadn't heard if everybody's passed the physical from that one. I know that the Phoenix guys were in Brooklyn for that game, so KD's likely there and waiting. Oh, man, that would be so crazy. Uh, I'm going to watch that because it's going to be awesome. Um, Indiana catching two points. If indeed this is a Kevin Durant, uh, it's only a two-point spread. That makes me feel like maybe KD's not ready to go yet, but I guess we'll see. Uh, Luka Doncic, by the way, while I was talking about 20 minutes ago, said he was still feeling pain, so perhaps we don't get the first uh, Luka and Kyrie extravaganza. We also just found out that apparently, apparently Russell Westbrook is likely to be headed to either the Bulls or the Heat. Yikes. Good luck. I would do it if I'm the Bulls, because they're in purgatory right now. Just do something crazy. The Heat are in sort of purgatory, but you bring Russ in there to play with Jimmy Butler, uh, those two guys might kill each other. I don't get the feeling that anybody on the Bulls feels strongly enough to care. Maybe that's not fair, but that's just the feeling I get watching that team play. They've got we-don't-care-that-much body language, like two out of every three ball games. The Bulls do. Uh, I don't... Yeah, I mean, only two-point spread, so maybe we don't get Kevin Durant for that one. Ah, well. Ah, well. So it goes. Uh, Indiana, nothing, really. The Knicks, do we get Josh Hart's debut? I mean, you know, this is going to be the look-ahead for all of these things. Do we get player debuts? What does it mean for uh, Hart? What does it mean for Grimes? What does it mean for Quickly? Hartenstein and Jericho Sims are still kind of on the board. This is in a Joel Embiid game. If he plays, Joel, I t- questionable for every ball game right now. Uh, he might just plow through every center on the Knicks roster. We shall see. For Philly, uh, I don't believe... Jalen McDaniels is ready to go yet, so nothing to pay attention to there. For the Spurs, uh, the removal of Josh Richardson is notable. I think Trey Jones, did we get an update on him earlier this morning? Yeah, he's out. He was questionable coming into today. He and Jeremy Sohan and Romeo Langford and Keldon Johnson are all sitting. So the Spurs are in full tank mode today. Malachi Branham is going to take 30 shots Devontae Graham, if he's active, I think he is actually, uh, he might get 25 shots. I mean, this is the full San Antonio one-night stand situation. Branham's a great one-night stand. Uh, Zach Collins, who, I mean, he should get enough in this one, although I guess the other center, Isaiah Roby, is actually active. But if you can get your hands on Branham for one ball game, go nuts, man. Get wild. Detroit! They shipped out Sadiq Bay. I'm actually kind of interested to see where his shots go. Hey, Boyan Bogdanovich, you can just ride him to the finish line. Utah, we already kind of saw them without any of their guys, and no one's coming in for the Jazz. So, uh, hello, Colin Sexton City. Toronto, I don't believe Pirtle's there yet. We'll find out later on, but obviously when he gets there, we're very interested in his debut. I imagine he'll get 
you know, minutes like he was getting in San Antonio on a team that wants to win. Charlotte, no Jalen McDaniels, but he was coming off the bench anyway, so I don't think it changes things all that much. Obviously, the big story there is Mark Williams and Nick Richards and how the minute split goes down. Does it, is, is Steve Clifford going to do the same crap he was doing where it's like Mark Williams for three games and then Richards for the other? Or, you know, there may be some Nick Richards games the rest of the way. Don't write him off completely. Boston, nothing really. You know, it just comes down to health there. Houston, they traded Eric Gordon. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr., I don't believe back yet. It sounds like he's probably out through the All-Star break, but we'll see. So uh, what does that mean? Do we get, like, two extra minutes of Tari Eason? Maybe. It's usage at the very least. We know K.J. Martin is going to be in there. We know it's going to be more shots like Jalen Green needed more shots, but he'll get him. Jabari Smith Jr. should get a couple more. Alper and Shangun should do a little bit more, etc., etc. Uh, Miami, uh, I mean, if Russell Westbrook ends up in Miami, that really changes things, but not a whole lot to pay attention to right now besides Gabe Vincent. Minnesota, uh, I think they'll have their new guy because it sound, that trade went down on Wednesday, so presumably we'll see Mike Conley make his debut this evening. That'll be kind of fun. Memphis will not have their new guys. Guy? Guys. Luke Kennard from the Clippers on his way in. Uh, shouldn't make much of an impact there, but you can pay attention to the Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman stuff. Cleveland, nothing. Pelicans, not much. Josh Richardson eventually will play, but he'll be you know more fringy. Trey Murphy, Herb Jones. How do these guys hold up? Again, uh, this will be a better defense, so we'll see if that makes any difference there against Cleveland. OKC, we just talked about Jalen Williams. Portland, uh, that trade went down late on Wednesday night, so we might... No, sorry, Hart went out on Wednesday night. Thibault, Matisse Thibault got traded yesterday, so he probably won't be there yet. Cam Reddish might, which is going to give us kind of back-asswards information on what to do with Portland because we won't actually see the guy that I presume they kind of wanted at the deadline. But anyway, you know, something to put down in the data bucket. Dallas, if there is no Luka, which it's sounding more and more like he will not play... Uh, you probably get another decent game out of Josh Green, at the very least. You might still get another game out of a Tim Hardaway Jr. or a Reggie Bullock, but I don't know. Feels like a lot of work. I always think of uh, Stifler, Sean William Scott in American Pie, when he, when Chris Klein is explaining to him to like have a relationship with a female, you need to listen to them, and he says, I don't know, man, that sounds like a lot of work. That's how I feel about, like, do I want to bother with... Reggie Bullock for one game? I don't know, man. That seems like a lot of work. For what's the payoff? In this case, meh. Sacramento did nothing at the deadline. Nothing to watch there. Milwaukee, they shipped out some stuff, but really just sort of clearing out more room. Chris Middleton likely, by the way, to rest on the back-to-back, so you'll probably get a better game out of a guy like a Grayson Allen. Uh, Pat Connaughton's been filling in a little bit uh, for Bobby Portis these days, so kind of the usual stuff there. Uh, Clippers likely will not have their acquisitions from yesterday, but I don't think those guys do much besides Mason Plumley putting a dent into Evita Zubats. If anything, the Clippers decreased the number of useful fantasy players they're going to have the rest of the way. Let's see. We got a couple of players left. Oh, come on, basketball monster. I wasn't idle for that long. There we go. Uh, Saturday, we talked about Philly. Brooklyn, they'll have their guys by uh, by tomorrow, and then we'll start to get some real data on the Nets. Cam Johnson, uh, Cam Thomas, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, Ben Simmons, all the wings. We want to know what's going on there. 
Denver, no Jamal Murray to the deadline, so it should be just some Bruce Brown. That'll be the uh, long and short of that one. Charlotte, we talked about. Indy, we talked about. Washington, if Kuzma gets back, that's what I want to know. I want to know what Washington looks like when Kuzma comes back. Because right now, I'm extremely bullish on Daniel Gafford, and Kuz is the only thing that could knock me off that horse. Miami, we talked about. Orlando got rid of Mo Bamba, brought in Pat Beverly, who they are waving. I think, if anything, this just creates a little bit more space for Mo Wagner. I don't know that he gets anywhere near 12-teamers, but he does probably press up on, like, 16, 18-team leagues. Utah, we talked about. Knicks, we talked about. Spurs, they won't be zombie Spurs by tomorrow. Presumably, Keldon Johnson will be back. Uh, Maybe they get Jones and Sohan back on the second half of the back-to-back. We'll see. I don't know if I can say the word B-A-C-K anymore in one sentence without my brain exploding. Atlanta's getting Sadiq Bey. I think, if anything, he just kind of knocks out guys like Hunter, probably sticks a little bit into John Collins. You know, there's just like someone that can come take from those guys that they didn't have before, a professional-level NBA player. Chicago, meh. Cleveland, we talked about. Lakers, ooh, we'll see all the new Lakers on Saturday. Really excited to see how those guys look. There's going to be an adjustment period, which is tough because the Lakers pretty much need to win every game the rest of the way, but uh, D'Lo will probably take a hit, almost no question. He won't be able to do as much alongside LeBron and AD as he did uh, alongside just Anthony Edwards in Minnesota. There was really only one alpha on the Wolves since Cat's been out, and there are two on LA. You know, it's fuzzy math, but it's probably accurate. I'd also like to see how the Lakers deploy some of their new toys in this one. The Warriors tend to go small and kind of spread you out a little bit. Do the Lakers go with a kind of we can outshoot you attack? Do they throw a Jared Vanderbilt in there to try to uh, beat up the smaller Warriors on the glass a little bit? One of them can kind of deal with Draymond, and then Anthony Davis can go pick on someone smaller. Uh, I don't know. A lot of question marks in LA. That's why all those guys are on our watch list. Warriors, we already talked about DiVincenzo being on the watch list. I think we have a pretty good feel for everything else going on there. Dallas, maybe you get Luka here on the back-to-back. We'll see. Then we'll get more information on the Mavericks. And let's see, anybody not playing Friday or Saturday? Let's swing on through Sunday, provided the internet continues to work. The internet has decided to stop working in this moment. Only two games on Sunday, so, uh, you know, even if I had never figured it out. The Grizzlies, the Celtics, the Pistons, the Raptors, uh, Memphis, you're pretty much just tracking the centers. And, uh, you know, Pistons, again, I again, I do really want to know what goes on with, with Sadiq Bey's minutes. And certainly by Sunday, you'll have Jakob Pertl in there for Toronto, so if we didn't get to see him tonight, we'll, uh, we'll see him in that one. Okay, time is short here on this Friday. I'm going to send you off into the weekend And we can finally, I personally can stop talking for a while. Yesterday, I don't know if you guys know this, yesterday, not only did I do a five-hour trade deadline show, uh, but I called two Division II college basketball games in the evening. So I broadcasted from 7.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. in the morning, and then I broadcasted from 5.30 to 9.30 at night. And I mostly sat in traffic in between. My voice is tired I'm I'm actually kind of impressed that I'm speaking uh like adequately right now. All right, to my recorded part listeners, come listen, come join us on YouTube next time around. Make sure to subscribe youtubecom 
slash sports ethos and continue to ping me if you want to cover a team. That's my recruiting pitch these days. We also will likely have some interesting deals going up next week on all of our premium stuff over at sportsethos.com. At Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. I know you guys came to hear Aaron Brewski as well. His kid is sick. Couldn't take him to preschool, so Brew is feeling it. I know that pain. You guys have watched me know that pain for a very long time, and uh, now you guys get to watch some other people know it too. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you first thing on Monday. Reverse chronological lightning round. You know how that rolls. And we'll get some really cool pieces of data, first looks, at a lot of players in new places. So long.